Okay. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Third Line Podcast, and we are going to try something different this week. We got rid of the other two, and we swapped out Adam and Jess, and yeah, it's just two of us, Chris and Liz, with you this week. Should be a little more interesting than what was it? Well, and I, I, I say interesting figuratively because last week's episode was amazing, but yeah, there was four people trying to talk at once, so this will be a little smoother, maybe? That's probably a better word. Maybe we'll see. I'm here, so maybe not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always a crapshoot, but yeah, we <laughs> just thought we would uh, tackle it just the two of us. And I think I gave Jess my headache. Uh, I didn't know headaches were contagious, but it looks like they are. And I think Adam's doing a little bit of live tweet for some of his work with the Canucks for hockey writers. So Something like that, yeah. But anywho, we're going to tackle the beginning of the WHL season and maybe touch on the first Kraken game. I'm sure Liz can dive deep into that because I bet she watched it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Our two teams have played quite a few games for the WHL coming up here. And yeah, we can talk about their starts. Some of the guys that have stood out, some of the guys that maybe have been kind of bust so far and hopefully they can turn it around but yeah why don't we just dive right into the winter hawks like they have played five games so far two wins two losses one shootout loss 12 goals for 14 assists so kind of all over the map there and by the looks of it the most penalty minutes in the whl oh not quite not quite. Very close. It's Helen and Spokane. I think Spokane only beat us out because they had two game misconducts that resulted in suspensions. So on the first night yeah. of their play. So so what is going on with your team? Why? What's with all the penalty minutes? I mean, they've played Spokane, Portland. Uh, well, actually, they've rival- played everyone so far. Rival- rivalry only- games probably uh, up those stats. Yeah, I believe they're the only team that's played everyone. I mean, the uh, Tri-City game opening night was a lot of penalty minutes. Then they played at home against Seattle, you knew that one was going to be feisty and they were going to have everything called. And then they played Spokane, and between the two of them, highest penalty minutes in the league, basically. Yeah. Yeah, you knew that yeah, was going to well, happen. It, it hasn't mean... been as nice as last last season. Last season, you know, special teams was absolutely killing it. Simon Knack was getting every single shorthanded goal he could possibly find. Yeah, that's very true. And then on the power play, I mean, you have Seth Jarvis, Jaden DeRoe, Reese Newkirk... All of those guys, plus you got like Nick Chichek on your back end. They were rolling pretty, pretty deep trying mm-hmm. to find their way again this season. So, so they've obviously lost a little bit of that depth by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's been a little rough, but I mean, I think I, a lot of teams have, especially in this last year. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. I mean, obviously, you know, with me covering the Royals, it's depth is something we don't really know too much about. So, <laughs> it's it's been a struggle, but. Yeah, I am just looking here as well. You guys have got your 74 penalty minutes, not to be outdone by the Brandon Wheat Kings, who have also played five games but have 89 penalty minutes. So, yeah, you're uh, you're not leading the league, but you're up there. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. It happens. It happens. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to see a little pushback, you know? Yeah, I mean, can't can't let them have all the glory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How have they looked, you know, offensively, defensively? Better. I think is the only thing that I can go with is between, you know, opening night and now, they've definitely got their feet under them. I think talking to Cross Hannis on the first night, he was he was saying that, you know, he'd only been back with the team like two two or three days before the first game. So I mean not really a lot of time to kind of gel with, you know, everybody on the team. Yeah. Um obviously he knew some of the guys, but still going, you know, from the shortened season last last year to Neely Cup training camp and then to Wings Camp, and then back to Portland, kind of, it's going to take a minute to settle in, and I think they're finally finding their their stride. Uh, offensively, I mean, they're obviously missing Seth Jarvis, getting outscored not something that the Winterhawks are typically used to uh, overall, but, you know, they're missing some of their powerhouse scoring guys, but a lot of the kids are, are definitely looking to step up. They look good, not finding the back of the net just yet, but they're working on it defensively you know it's the same thing with Bronberg out right now it's kind of hurting a little bit his injury hopefully he comes back soon but we've got a young defensive core right now and it's a little bit of a struggle they're getting there yeah it's I mean they've been kind of you know on the upper echelon of the league for a couple years so you know it's it's only it's bound to happen that you know they're gonna have a little stumble but it's definitely recoverable it's super early still but like you said, seeing that progress from games one and two, it's at least there's 
you know, a trend in the right direction. So that's good. Yeah. They know what they need to work on. It looks better. I mean, it's early in the season. I think last year and maybe even the year before that, the Winter Hawks came out at the beginning of the season and kind of struggled a little bit. You know, they, they tend to pick things up in that late part of the beginning of the season. Sounds weird to say, but like, you know, the first two or three weeks are always a little bit back and forth. And then all of a sudden they just hit the stride and it's hard, it's hard to stop them. I mean, I guess yeah. maybe unless you're Everett, <laughs> then, you know, we'll yeah, see. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just looking at some of the league leaders here. And I mean, you can definitely tell it's it, I'm a little surprised with Winnipeg is pretty much leading almost every yeah. category. The Eastern Conference. I mean, those scores have been ridiculous. They've had like seven one games. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that that's those are stat padding games, obviously. Yeah. I don't think that, you know, in, in the Western Conference, actually in the U.S. division, like we haven't had any games that have been absolute like. I think the highest was Spokane beating Tri-Cities the other night with a 5-1. And I think other yeah. than that, for the most part, every every game has been like one or two goal games. Yeah. The Royals the other night, they won, I believe it was 5-2, 6-2, yeah. something like that. And nice. uh, they are currently losing 6-2. So BC Division's got, it's it's open this so far this year. I know the Giants beat the Royals 5-0 on opening night. So there's been a fair amount of goals in, in the BC Division so far, as far as I can tell. Speaking to the Royals, I mean, like I just said, they're currently losing 6-2 to Kamloops. I think everybody knew Kamloops was going to be one of the best teams in the league this year. So they were in tough from the get go on that one. But it's encouraging to see the shot count right now. It is in the third period halfway through and shots are 32 25 for Kamloops, which I know sounds high, but the Royals consistently since game one have been getting out shot hard. So at least they're closing that gap a little bit. So it's encouraging. There's progress. Looking at, you know, some of the players, obviously, looking at the league leaders here for the whole WHL. And with Braden Sherman's goal tonight, he is now tied for first place in the league with eight points. And he is tied for first in the league with goals with six, six goals in four games. So this might be the Royals fifth game tonight, actually. It's not. Yeah, it's the fifth game tonight. They've already updated that for the games played oh yeah yeah for the games played i'm showing five already oh okay yeah i'm obviously just need to refresh my screen yeah so there's there's encouraging signs for them they're definitely young i mean i've gone to a couple games now and they're relying on their speed they're a super quick team they're getting pushed around a lot they don't really have a lot of big bodies and you can see it in their own end it's hard for them to get the puck out of their own end sometimes they're losing board battles and they're just getting out muscled, but once they get out of the their own zone and they're coming through the neutral zone, they come through with speed and their counterattack is been pretty deadly actually. So they're playing the way they know they have to. They're capitalizing when they get those counterattack chances and it's given them a chance to win on nights when they actually end up losing. They they definitely are in games, which obviously opening night five nothing against the Giants, that was a little bit of a different story, but okay. since then, yeah, since then they've been coming together. And for me, it's been the Braden Sherman show on offense. The kid is a stud. He's definitely going to be leading this team in points this year. I said that after, I think, the second game. And here we are five games in and he's leading the league in points. So he is one to watch for, for sure. Super talented, really smart hockey IQ, fast good playmaker he's i could see him finishing with a fairly even stat line uh, when it comes to goals and assists like he's not one dimensional so that's very really helpful for this team and they've gone a little bit back and forth now with their goalies but so far one game played for connor martin and he played five minutes i'm not sure what's going on there long story short it's been the tyler palmer show and this guy came out of nowhere, out of Lethbridge, Alberta. I believe he was undrafted. I think we just signed him out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And he has come in sitting at a 337 goals against and a 917 save percentage, which doesn't sound stellar. But watching the games in person, these games that they're losing, they should have let in you know, six, seven goals, and they're letting in, you know, three, four. So he's saving a ridiculous amount over what he should be for 
someone who was not exactly highly touted. Uh, clearly, it's just their scouting staff saw something they liked. And from the three games that I've seen in person, I really like what I see from this kid, too. Yeah. I mean, that's exciting. I mean, I feel like we've already all, always discussed it, but like goaltending is my favorite position to watch. So, I mean, anytime yeah. that there's a guy that, you know, maybe kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it's it's huge. And in on a team where I said last year, Connor Martin was going to be the starting goalie for this team. And I really liked Martin's game last year. And here we are five games in and Tyler Palmer's played four. Connor Martin has played one. And for all of five minutes, like I said, I'm not 100% sure on the story there. I don't know if there was an injury. It wasn't at one of the games that I was able to watch. But their other goalie, Sebastian, Adam gave me a hard time for this pronunciation. You should hear the way the announcer says it in the arena. <laughs> but Sebastian Ranishitz is, according to Elite Prospects, they have a pronunciation section there. And I believe it was Ranishitz. So pretty damn close. I think that you should ask him. <laughs> I should probably ask him, but, uh, you know, the Elite Prospect, I mean. Well, we just, my, my main thinking of that is we had a fun conversation with Nick Merrick after the winter, first Winter Hawks home game, where he was saying that, for the first couple games of you know the last season or the season before that that they were saying like Simon Knack in his like fully correct Simone Knack and then he decided he wanted it to be said Americanized but then they were getting frustrated because everyone else was saying it in a different way so like I don't know yeah. I always find it interesting to see how the guys prefer their name to be pronounced in the U.S. Well and it's the it's the Pedersen situation all over again yeah. right like I'm not a hundred percent and I'll probably butcher it but I believe the correct pronunciation is supposed to be Eliash Peterson or something along those lines and yeah. he was just he was just like no I kind of like Elias Peterson which no one calls him Peterson. I love but... that video where they they just continuously made him like they kept like what is it even called kept repeating him saying Elias oh, Peterson. Yeah, yeah, Elias yeah, yeah. Peterson. Alita, Elias Peterson. I was just like yeah, dying. Yeah, yeah. It's I don't think anyone has ever said the word or the name Peterson, but apparently according to him, that's what he likes. So, you know, maybe we should just start calling him Peterson. But yeah, it's yeah. the guy in the arena. So it's spelt Sebastian Ranishitz. It's W-R-A-N-E-S-C-H-I-T-Z. And the elite prospects it's rena shits and in the arena the guy said rain shits and i was just like D -d -d i mean I to be fair that's how i read it the first time i saw it but then i i know that's not how it would be pronounced yeah but like when i first saw it that's where my brain went and i went excuse me yeah <laughs> i know you got to put like an uh, explicit episode warning on this episode just because of this guy's name anyways digress because we are chaotic and that's what we do he has been no offense to the guy but atrocious since playing the Looking first like game that. yeah 10.14 goals against 0.75 save percentage he looked real good in the world juniors last year for i want to say austria yeah or was it a lot it no was austria it's austria, it's austria. okay austria. Yeah, he was one of the stories of the entire tournament, you know, standing on his head, making, you know, 50, 55 saves. And, you know, his team would still lose because they had no offense, but they were losing one nothing games. So it's I mean, been his first two games in the WHL. Yep. I mean, those sure. are some terrible numbers, but I mean, got to cut the kid a little slack. I mean, it's two games in North America yep. in the WHL. Oh, and, and he'll and figure I'm, it I'm not out. trying to be mean here, but I mean, he's got the Victoria Royals in front of him. Oh, absolutely. I know. And that's and that's why I, you know, give it a grain of salt as well. Like he he obviously did not start the way he would want to. He would love to have those games back as well. And I know he'll figure it out and he'll he'll write the ship. But it's been refreshing to know that past Connor Martin, if Ranish, I'm just going to say Sebastian, if uh, if Sebastian stumbled a little bit out of the gate and Palmer, you know, being an undrafted signing out of the Alberta Junior League, if it took him a little while to get his feet wet and get his game, you know, this team would be behind the eight ball right off the bat. And yeah. it would be all on Connor Martin's shoulders and just having Palmer come in and just kind of knock the socks off everybody, I think, has been refreshing. And I'm pretty sure... The reason why Martin is not playing and had five minutes in the game, maybe he's a little bit banged up. You know, don't quote me on that, but just knowing I mean, that uh, there's a competent backup there has has been key. Yeah, I, it does look like Sebastian's played 53 minutes. So barring those like seven minutes, which 
I would assume the five minutes that Martin played and then, you know, maybe pulling a goalie or something two minutes or yeah. who knows. I'd assume it was in one of those games. Did uh, he get pulled in one of the games? Because he's, he has 53 minutes, but in two games played. Yeah, so his very first game, he played six minutes, so six and change. So that would be the seven minutes that he's missing. He got pulled at after six or seven minutes because he let in three goals on five shots. Yeah, that would do it. Yeah, so that was the uh, that was the home opener. And Palmer came in after that. And I believe Palmer in that first game made something like 41 saves and let in one goal. So... I mean, I think yeah, that from, would be your man to go with then. Yeah, from that point on, I think he uh, earned the coach's trust. And it's been interesting to see the progression, like I said before on one of the other episodes. Like, we know the expectations aren't super high. But, I mean, we're looking at Prince George now, who's got, you know, three games, three losses. And Spokane, five games, one win, three losses, one overtime loss. And if you look at their goals for, goals against, like... You know, they're in the ballpark. So in theory, the Royals could push for a wild card playoff spot if if Palmer keeps playing lights out. New addition to the team, Bailey Peach was just signed right before the second game of the year, I believe. Coming out of the Charlottetown Islanders, I believe, the QMJHL. I don't know why they waived this guy. I mean, maybe it's just because he's on a fairly weak Royals team, why he's standing out. But I absolutely love this kid's play. Like Bailey Peach, not only does he have an amazing name, but <laughs> the, his style of game, uh, I was saying at the arena, I was like, he might just have to be the next jersey I buy. Like it's his hands in tight. He's got, you know, really good hands in the blue paint, like right up tight to the goalie. He His forecheck is crazy good. He's deceptive. He sneaks up on guys and he'll just poke the puck past him and set himself up for breakaways. Playmaking, his passing ability is is great. His speed, his speed has really stood out to me. He's up there with Braden Sherman and, you know, some of those upper end guys on this team as the fastest out there. And it just, I, I don't know. When I watch him play, I'm like, how did some team wave this guy? Maybe it's just knowing or having familiarity or, you know, picking well, he, up the system. He is a 20, right? He's a 20 for sure. And when you're, like I said, maybe it's the fact that he's on this young team and he just looks so much better than anyone out there because they don't have a lot of options. But, you know, when you see him playing against teams like, you know, the Rockets and the Giants and other teams that have talent, and he's still standing out to me, even trying to look at the game from an objective point of view, where you're also looking at the stars from the other team and admiring their game, he's still standing out to me. And for a free waiver pickup, I mean, yeah, it's it's been fun. He's uh, super talented. And his style of game, he's going to be a Royals fan favorite in no time. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and, I just had to I look mean, at those numbers. I mean, four points in four games. That's, yeah, that's and, not a bad start. No, and the numbers don't even tell the full story. It's it's the the forechecking and the speed and the turnovers. He's causing turnovers. I mean, he's taken a couple unfortunate penalties. He leads the team, I believe, in penalty minutes, eight. Yeah, and a couple of them have been, you know, kind of lazy penalties, trips, and I think there was a hook in there. He got a double minor, actually, for kneeing that I believe was you know, a complete bullshit call. And the fact that they called it a double minor for kneeing, I don't know if that's a standard rule in the WHL, but it was it was ridiculous. And I'm not saying that as a Royals fan, because while I'm watching these games and trying to report on them, I do try to be as impartial as possible, which is easier said than done. But to me, it, it was it was a bullshit call. And so that was four of his penalty minutes right there. But you look at some of these other stats, the entire team shots on goal. There's only two players that break double digits and it's Bailey Peach and Braden Sherman. And yeah, yeah it's uh, it's impressive. It's super fun watching this guy. So anybody that is a Royals fan out there, if you can't make it to the arena or maybe you have the WHL app or maybe you are going to a game, look out for this guy because he'll be probably top three in scoring on this young team. And he's a reason every night. He's a reason just to buy a ticket. Which says a lot. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm going to be seeing the Royals 
I can't remember which month, but it, I specifically scheduled it so that I can head up there to watch the Royals in Portland. So nice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, keep an eye out for Bailey Peach. I mean, how many times do you see Peach on the back of a jersey? It's uh, he'll, he'll stand out. <laughs> I don't want to go drone on too long about the Royals. But yeah, for anybody that's a fan, Bailey Peach, rock star. He's looking great. Braden Sherman going to be the leading scorer of this team, potentially one of the best players in the entire league. And one of the other guys that stood out for me, friend of the show, Gannon LaRock, you know, just what can I say? Rock star. If Taryn Pfizer gets the deal done with the AHL's affiliate for the Avalanche, the Colorado Eagles. I thought he did. He's on a tryout, I believe. Or did he actually sign? I thought he signed. Oh, okay. Because I remember seeing that he signed an amateur tryout with them. But I haven't been on Twitter a lot the last couple of I, days. So. I could I could be wrong. I'm not. Okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll do some research on that. But. I, I said on Twitter a couple days ago, and I stand by it, that if Taryn Pfizer does not come back, then I firmly believe Gannon LaRock should be the next captain of this team. His play is just rock solid, steady, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, makes the smart plays, pinches when he needs to. He's constantly throwing hits and timely hits. He's, he's not going for hits when he doesn't need to. He's taking the opportunity when it's a smart time to do so. And getting pucks out of the zone in crucial times, boxing guys out in front of the net, and just doing everything that, you know, when we had him on, he said he liked to model his game. I believe his comparable was sort of a hybrid between Shea Weber and Roman Yossi. And he doesn't have the bomb of a shot like Shea Weber, and he might not be as offensive as Yossi, but take parts of both of those guys' game, and I definitely see it. So, yeah, he's been fun to watch. Friend of the show, so... I mean, he'd be he'd be a great captain to have. I mean, from everything I've heard from you, what you guys talking to him and everything I've seen about uh, his yep. play style and just hearing about the guy, I can't say he had a choice. No, he puts the time in, and he, you know, during the bubble last year, he was talking about how he was spending, you know, countless hours going over his game film and trying to improve on all the tiny parts of the game and you can see the effort pay off i mean he was one of the last guys cut in sharks camp this year so he was that close to an nhl kind of bummed i didn't get to actually see him out there i was in portland at the time but you know yeah would have been nice oh, i'm sure it's uh it won't be the last time because watching watching his play there's no reason why he won't uh, my opinion I, I think he could be probably on an ahl roster next year if if he keeps up the progression I mean, hey, that he's on. If he's out here for the Barracuda, I'd love to go, go watch him out there. I mean, the, yep. we know that the Barracuda love their WHL guys. So, I mean, yep. I am all here for it. If he adds a little physicality to his game, too, he'd be one of those guys that... And, and you know, I say that. He does hit people, but... With him, it's more knocking guys off pucks. It's not devastating hits, mm -hmm. but... At the same time, I mean, obviously you got to ride that line because sometimes, you know, you you don't want to take an unnecessary boarding call or something. But with his frame, like, I, I do feel like he could potentially get a little more physical with his checks. And if he adds that to his game against, you know, bigger men when you're playing in the AHL, he's going to have to be a little bit more physical. And, yeah, if, if he can add that, I, I think Barracuda fans will love him and you know, knock on wood, hopefully in a few years, Sharks fans too. Yeah. I mean, you know, unless he gets traded to a better team. Sorry. What? I didn't say that. Sorry. Please keep paying <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> anyway, I have, I have droned on long enough about the Royals. It's, you know, there's, there's pieces to be excited about. And, you know, throughout the year, I'll, you know, go into a little more detail about some other guys, but I don't want to drone on too long about the one team. And we, we do cover four different teams. I mean, I could always drone on about mine. So <laughs> absolutely. You, if, if you got someone you want to go off about, I mean, Hey, it's just the two of us. We gotta, we gotta kill some time here. Right. I mean, always <laughs> to be honest, like I feel like what everyone's going to expect is that I'm literally just going to sit here and for the next like 20 minutes, just go off about Dante Genuzzi. And <laughs> let's be honest. I absolutely could do that. But, uh, you know, I also should not do that. Unlike you, I very clearly have players that I, I cannot stay impartial, impartial. to. Yeah, um, yeah. There's definitely a little bit of favoritism going on, and it has nothing to do with, like, you know, I don't like this guy, I don't like that guy. It's just there's players that I specifically pick out, and my brain goes, you're going to focus right there. 
and yeah, he's he just happens. happens to be one of them. Look, the first the first two games, I, I was a little nervous. I think they came out for for warm ups, and I looked at Jess because we were at the game in Tri Cities together, and I went, "Oh, this is gonna this is gonna be bad." And then you know, Tri Cities won that game in a shootout, and I went, "Well, it almost wasn't bad." I mean, he stopped the first two shooters and, you know, I, I was like, okay, maybe they'll pull this off. And then yeah, there were a couple of moments when even I was, was like, uh, he had no idea where that puck was. I think he almost backed, like, backed up and, like, knocked one into the net behind him. It was, it was a little iffy. But you know what? He came back, you know, yeah, they got shut out 4-0 against Everett. But in a game against Everett, that could have been much worse. Then Lachlan Gordon came out, won the first game of the season for the Winterhawks, which, good for him, you know, first game... First WHL start, first WHL win. We love to see it. But then I think Dante kind of took that as a, oh, okay. Okay, I see what you did there. And he came out the next day and got himself a shutout. So, I mean, I, I think we're on the right track with the Winterhawks. I think between him and, and Lachlan, uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a good season. They got their feet under them. Lachlan got his first, you know, his first start. Looked great in it. Dante's come, come back into his own. And I think, you know, we're on the right path. Because he in that in that game against Seattle, he right? Oh my God, was it Seattle? Spokane. The game against Spokane. Why did I just yeah. say Seattle? I did that last season too. In the <laughs> game against Spokane, as the game went on, he just looked better and better and better and better. And I think that that confidence, you know, especially getting that shutout, is just going to do wonders. But then, I mean, we got guys like Dawson Pasternak. I love this kid. He is really small like every time i see him i forget how small he is like i see him out there i'm like who the heck is that tiny oh yeah that's pasternak but man the kid can play nice you know once he gets a little more height to him a little more weight on him like uh he's gonna be a force in this league and i am so excited for it watching him skate you know he he's small he's he's fast but you know he definitely is a little lighter than all the other guys you can see it in just like the way he moves but you know i mean if he's playing like this now Imagine how he's going to be when he's 17, 18, 19 in this league. And then you have guys like Ryan McCleary, and I think I've said it like multiple times over the last couple of weeks, both here on Pucklandia and just on Twitter. But I don't know what happened between last year and this year, but Ryan McCleary's skating is absolutely gorgeous this year. Just watching him in warm-ups, I can watch that kid skate all day and just be like, it's amazing. It's beautiful to watch, and I, I feel like... We don't typically say that in hockey because it's, you know, that type of skating is typically, oh, okay, yeah, he can skate. Yeah. But occasionally you do see those guys where you're just like, wow. It just and, seems effortless. Yeah. And I don't remember seeing that last year. I mean, I'm, I remember him, you know, he can skate. He's a hockey player. He's at this level. He can he can skate. But he came out this year and, like, has absolutely impressed. Did he potentially get a little bit of momentum after getting that draft pick? You know, I think so. I believe he was drafted by the Penguins, was he not? Yes. Yeah. And then talking to him, you know, like, he was very proud to tell me that he was the youngest player in the Pens organization uh, when we talked. That was, like, he made sure that I knew that. But also, I think just, you know, that little boost because he had only spent one season with the Winterhawks and it was the 24-game season. So, I mean, already it's a little iffy, but then getting picked by the Penguins, who are already a phenomenal organization in their own, mostly. I think it just added something to the way he holds himself. Yeah, that's fair. You got to imagine that it's it's going to be a big momentum shift and it's going to give guys that extra drive in the gym and stuff like that when and not to mention if he has been now in touch with the organization and they've given him some you know training regiments that they want him to start doing and things like that and once you get access to those nhl caliber resources then that's when you can really see potential get unlocked too my comparable for that is, I mean, look at a guy like Cross Hannes. I mean, he's been a great skater. He's been a great player. Kind of just on that verge of actually breaking out in this league on into his own like spotlight. We saw a little bit of it last year. or I mean, earlier this year, I guess. I keep saying last season. It <laughs> literally a couple months ago. Yeah. But I mean, then he comes back this year, comes back from Wings Camp and has has been an absolute star on this team which i mean is is usually there's there's one or two for the winterhawks but at the same time like you look at the winterhawks team and you typically have four or five six guys up there that you at any point can point out and be like oh man yeah he's doing great he's doing great he's looking amazing he's in the spotlight right now and cross has kind of come back and taken it all on his all on himself and been like look at me however not to be outdone 
by his counterpart, Clay Hannis, who has also just looked fantastic. I mean, I, I feel like he's kind of sitting there being like, oh, no one wanted to draft me again. So you know what? Here we go. Yeah. Tip Coming on the into shoulder. his 20-year-old season, he's like, okay, well, look at what I can do. And I think he, he's probably making some teams sit up a little bit and be like, hey, what did we miss out on? You know, what could we possibly get with this guy in the future? So it's interesting to see, like I said before, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but the the progression of, of these teams. And, you know, I've touched on it before, too. Like, it's it's really interesting in juniors because you don't get those dynasties, per se. And you get so much turnover with players, but it's really dependent on your coaching staff and your scouting department. And if you've got the the skill in those two areas, you can still have dynasties and you can still have long term success, but you're just doing it with, you know, constant turnover and new players. And it's it's a dynamic that you don't see in the big leagues, the pros. And I think it it allows for parity if your organizations are prepared, like if they're skilled enough, you shouldn't be down in the dumps and at the bottom end of the league for more than a few years if you don't trade away all your picks attempting to go on a run and <laughs> Royals. It's really intriguing, and I've, I have never really, up until these last couple years, I wasn't as intense with the WHL. Obviously, I wasn't, you know, attempting to cover it, so I was sort of an idle casual fan but i do know that portland has been up there for a long time and they constantly have success and they've had a lot of nhl draft picks come through their organization a lot of coaching you know travis green mike johnston i'm sure there's a few others that you could probably list off and just players as well and some organizations you can tell when you're putting out one or two nhl draft picks every year or two it's it's a testament to the scouting as much as anything else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to add to that, like Kyle Gustafson, Gustafson, Gustafson. I'm actually not entirely That's, sure if I'm saying that right. correctly. <laughs> but I mean, he's you know an assistant coach it, with the Canucks now. He's up with Travis Green. So I mean, I like to joke around occasionally every time the Canucks pick up you know one of the 2011 to 2013 winter hawks i I like to be like oh travis green's just being like all right bring my boys back to me unfortunately he never has them all at the same time yeah i mean when you you look at some of the names yeah you look at patan you look at berchi you look at pouliot like look at the one that we don't mention anymore Mm -hmm, exactly yeah (laughs) unfortunately the only two that were ever there at the same time were the one that we don't mention and Derek pouliot Oh, Pouliot, oh I, guess, right. I guess Berchu was there too. He just for whatever reason, for whatever reason, was in the doghouse. I don't. Or, yeah, not really entirely sure what's going on there. There's rumors, yeah. but but I mean, I just like to joke around. But now you know he's brought Kyle up there as an assistant coach. So yep, it's in, it's super interesting. I mean, it's it's familiarity. I mean, honestly, though, too. I mean, not just you know coaching staff. I mean. Wow, I keep saying I mean, I really know have a vocabulary here. <laughs> but I mean, even Walt Ruff going up to Carolina and, you know, yep. now working for the Hurricanes. I mean, oh, my gosh, I can't stop saying it now. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get a counter. Hold on. I'm going to get like a ding every time I hear it. I'm going to ding. Absolutely not. That is awful. <laughs> but it, Walt Ruff, it happens. even going up there. The Winterhawks just have this like legacy of just you work anywhere within this organization, whether as a player, a coach, any type of staff, and somehow guys always move up. They always find their next step. They always make it, you know, into the big leagues. So yeah, it's it's definitely an organization that has had sustained success, and it's you know, you know, I can only see it now. I'm saying you know, (laughs) now you're in my head. (laughs) You're welcome. Now you're in my head. You're welcome. I'm, I'm sorry, Ryan, our editor. But in reference to the Winterhawks constantly making it to the next level, a super clunky transition here, we are also doing our best to try and cover some Kraken news. And of course, the Seattle Kraken had their first ever regular season game the other night. And it, I mean, I only got a chance to watch the first half. It started off a little clunky. And you could tell, I think maybe, I don't know if it was nerves or just trying to get used to the systems and 
a lot of new guys playing together, but it appeared to me that they're pretty reliant on heavy duty forecheck and capitalizing on counterattack opportunities. And I mean, it kind of reminded me a little bit of the way the Royals are being forced to play right now, except the difference is the Kraken are getting pretty high end defense. Grubauer did not necessarily look the best at the beginning of that game. But I think the MO of this team is going to be fairly high in goaltending, pretty competent defense, and the question mark is going to be scoring. So I think capitalizing on your counterattack opportunities are going to be key and a heavy forecheck. And by the looks of it, they were executing their game plan. It sounded like they came back and made it a pretty good game right towards the end. What was your take? I'm assuming you watched the whole thing. Really good game overall. Ironically, I think the Kraken kind of actually looked like how the Golden Knights wanted to play their game in the first season. It was a lot of similarities, the differences. I think the Knights just had that slightly better goaltending. And then I think they played with a little more of a chip on their shoulder. And I and I know we've said that a couple times already tonight. But I mean, for me, I think that's one of the biggest things is and we saw it with, you know, talking with Simon Knack, talking with some of the other guys, you know, our WHL guys, is when you get passed over or you get that, you know, moment where you think, oh, well, this team didn't want me, so I'm going to come here and show them why they should have wanted me. I think the Golden Knights just had a little bit more of that. The Seattle Kraken have had a little bit more of a, oh, man, we're in Seattle. This is going to be such a good season. Like, this is going to be great. We're in an expansion team. But it's been a little more, hey, this is our team now. Let's go yeah. out and make it a good season versus this is our team now because they didn't want us. So let's go prove them wrong. It's been a lot well, more like work for the team versus work against your former team. The other team. Yeah. And I mean, I know that that is in their mind because there was a quote from Mark Giordano, the newly minted captain of the Seattle Kraken. And he said, every single game this season, we're going to have one guy on our roster that is super fired up for that game. And, and you know, maybe that was part of the problem is they didn't have anyone from the Knights. They didn't have any sort of yep. drive and on that's, that part. And, you know, that is something that I didn't really take into account when I thought about Giordano's quote. I was like, oh, that's a really good way to put it. Except the, the Vegas Golden Knights because they didn't get anybody from there. And, I mean, when you're looking at that Vegas Golden Knights team, I mean... Obviously, it's it's a stacked roster. They have really good systems, good coaching, and any team is going to have a struggle competing with them on any given night. They're a perennial, you know, playoff contender every year. And I don't just mean playoff. I mean a deep playoff run contender. And it's... It's going to be tricky for any team to compete with them, especially one that has just been scabbed together. And by the sounds of it, towards the end, they they made a little bit of a comeback and they kind of made Vegas go, OK, whoa, you're not going to be just walked all over. You're, you got a bit of fight in you. So, you know, for Kraken fans, I think it's it's a exciting test to go right headfirst into the fire and see if you can compete with, you know, a potential Stanley Cup contender right off the bat. I, my big thing from that was, I mean, yes, they got that momentum, they got that fire under them, but then they kind of passed that fire on to Vegas. I mean, yeah. you know what? Mad or not about whoever wants to have an attitude about the geeky celebration, like his celly, which I think if as a fan, if you're mad about that, get over yourself. Um, yeah. If you're a player, if you're mad about it, you know, what? OK, like I get that, you know, you're on the ice, your emotions are already running high, whatever. And you know what? If you use that to fuel your next goal, then use that to fuel your next goal. You know what? Yep. Good for you. I'd... As a fan, if you're as a fan, a viewer, a reporter, like any anything else, if you're mad about that, get over yourself. It wasn't directed at you. You had nothing to do with it. Just enjoy it. You know what? It's, it's funny. I never saw it. I, I don't even really know what you're referencing. I'm assuming it was so, something that was maybe a little cheeky. Apparently, after Geeky's goal, he like twirled his stick and like glared down or stared down like the Knights bench. And I guess the guys got a little fired up about it, and they were just like, "I think it was, I think it was Mark Stone. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me on that part." But um, I wouldn't doubt it. He said that when they were talking about it. 
they're like, oh, on our next shift, let's go out and score. And, I mean, they did. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it that's, it always, <laughs> However, that's always it, dangerous. You know what? And I, I think I had posted on Twitter. I was like, you know what? Shout out Morgan Geeky for basically giving them the reason to score yeah. that goal. But, you know, I thought it was funny because, you know what? Like, yeah, let's get them a little more personality in, in the NHL. You know, we, we see it in sure. the WHL where guys are just kind of, like, chirpy and, like, laughing at each other on the benches. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, most of these guys are friends. Yeah. And it's hilarious. Uh, like, you know they're going to go home and just be like, oh, man, you really had to do that, didn't you? Yeah. And, they, you know, a lot of these guys have each other's numbers and they'll text each other and talk trash and whatever. You know, it's dangerous when you are behind in a game and you do something like that because you just started to earn a little bit of yeah. momentum and you just lit a fire under everyone's ass on that bench that's you know maybe not it was the it's the second it's... goal of your your team's entire like existence you know yeah. what why not have a little bit of fun with it you know you're facing vegas anyway you were already down this game you know fans yeah. are looking for a good time you're in vegas and i'm not saying like you know as a vegas fan I appreciated the fact that it fired the guys up, but at the same time, yeah. like, you know what, if you're going to take yourself too seriously in that situation, then I mean, it's also probably not going to go very well for you either. I, and, and that's what I mean. Like I, I am a hundred percent for letting guys just let loose a little bit, see some of the good sellies. I mean, it's yes, it's going to piss some people off and yes, it's going to piss off the other team, but that's the point. You know, you score a big goal. You kind of want to get in their head. I mean, look at the, you know, Jose Bautista bat flip from the Blue Jays a couple years ago. It was a pivotal moment in the game. It was huge. It was emotions. It got his bench fired up in the right way. Yeah, it burned Texas, but they weren't able to capitalize in the moment. So obviously next year it turned into a big brouhaha. But I don't understand. NFL's cracking down this year on taunting and things like that. And as far as I'm concerned... Stupid. As, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, if you are responsible for another player getting a big play, you deserve to be a little bit embarrassed. Like, this is your job. Your job is to stop those big plays from happening. If someone gets a big play on you, then they have earned the right to kind of be happy about it. And, you know, I'm not saying go above and beyond. You know, some of these celebrations you saw from the NFL a few years back, I think Terrell Owens was guilty of it. You know, a few of these other guys where they're like running to center field and pretending to, you know, take a shit on the logo in the middle of the field. Okay, that's too far. But some of the creativity, there was one a couple of years ago where some guy scored a touchdown and he just happened to have a Sharpie in the waistband of his pants and he signed the ball and gave it to someone. And I was like, you know what? That was premeditated, but it no, was but funny. No, but that's great. That is it was funny. Yeah, it was funny. It's not super offensive. It's just like, I know I'm going to score a touchdown this game. So I'm putting a Sharpie in here and this is what I'm going to do. And he pulled it off. So, you know, all the power to him. I, I don't like when people try to take the fun out of it and all it's going to do is it's going to attract, you know, more fans. I, I do see the point of some of the traditionalists, some of the older generation that are going to say, oh, these guys need to be more humble and whatever. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, most but, sports are trying to attract new, younger fans. And I do understand that it's just, you know, in, in those type of situations or like, you know, a Stanley Cup playoff situation. You know, your emotions are running high. I, I don't think any of us are expecting these guys to just be like robots and be like, yeah, I just scored a goal. Okay, move on. Yep. Like, yep. you know what? You just scored the second goal in Seattle Kraken history. Yep. On In the first I, game I that they're ever playing. You know what? Enjoy it. You know, if you want to twirl your stick and stare down the opposing team's bench, do it. I mean, and the granted, irony. It didn't work in their benefit. No, but like, it didn't. But it could have. It could have. It could have yeah, fired that their bench up and it could have got them going. Well, it also could have, you know, fired up the Golden Knights enough that they start making mistakes that they're trying too hard now yep. to try and be like, oh, we're the better team. Yep. And so, you know, either way, it just didn't happen yep. to work in their favor this time. It's a gamble, but I, I do find it ironic that, you know, someone like Mark Stone is saying like, yeah, it fired us up or whatever, when one of the greatest <laughs> things about Mark Stone is his... <laughs> reactions when he scores a goal or even when one of his teammates scores a goal if you look at the look on mark stone's face when a teammate scores a goal it's like he just scored a, the best 
it's like he just scored a goal to win a gold medal at the Olympics. <laughs> like, the man wears his emotions on his face. And, like, for years, it's been kind of a cliche that, like, Mark Stone is one of the funnest guys to watch play hockey because he looks like he's having a great time. And he wears his emotions on his sleeve when he's upset. He wears it. You can see it. And he's not happy. And when he's happy, he is like a kid in a candy store. And it's it's infectious. So, you know, I think that more of that needs to come out. And you should see the personality. The league needs to market its stars better. And you cannot market someone who's a robot. So. I mean, they do it. They do it. They 100% do it. But reaches, it's not reaches working like for them. like a third of the people of any of any you know, yep. other business, but you know, but uh, you look, you look at it. And like, when you're trying to market your stars and you're trying to get personality out of them, and the majority of the guys, you see them in the post game pressers and stuff like that. And they're given the cliche hockey answers. And it's when you do get once in a blue moon, a guy that shows a little personality, usually the reporters and the media will jump on it. And it's like, Hey, this guy's hilarious. You know, like I, I picture a guy like Ryan Reeves, ex golden Knight, now current New York Ranger, you know, you ask him a question and he thinks about it for a second and he gives you an answer you didn't expect to hear, or he okay. gives you an answer that would be like you talking to your buddy about the game. It's not the cliche hockey answer. It's, he gives it's you a, a down headline that you could use on a national story without like it gives you being... something that people want to read yeah and without having to be controversial about it he will just say you know how he's feeling and it just happens to be you know headline hilarious. grabbing <laughs> and hilarious and there are some people in the league that will capture headlines for the wrong reasons who shall remain nameless i'm all for the ability i mean you look at in vancouver this off season or not off season this preseason and Nick Patan was on a line with Brock Bezer, and I guess somebody could hear him on the ice calling for a puck, and he called Patan Petey. And then Pedersen, or I guess if he, he had his way, Peterson, comes back, and somebody asked him about it. It's like, hey, how do you feel about uh, Brock calling Patan Petey? And he was just like, yeah, I heard something about that, and I'm going to have to talk to him about that. I'm sure it's not his proudest moment. You know, we're going to have some words. And it was just, you saw a human element, and it was fun. And yeah. stuff like that, I'm all for. And if Geeky wants to, to sell you hard, well, he's got to be able to back it up. You know, if, if you're going to sell you hard in front of the bench, either expect someone to come at you next shift and, you know, maybe dodge to avoid the hit that's going to come at you and go score a big goal. Like, if, if you're going to gamble to try and fire up your just bench... Be be prepared for it to fire up the other bench or, you know, be prepared for the aftermath. But if you're ready to take to face those repercussions, all the power to you, man. I, I believe that we need more personality in this game and in all sports, baseball, football, basketball, golf. I mean, this is not a golf podcast, but you look at, you know, why do you think Tiger Woods was such an enigma? Because he showed emotion and he had, you know, flair and... What's yep. the word I'm looking for? Charisma. And you can't market necessarily. I mean, you look at a guy like Sidney Crosby, one of the best hockey players in the world for the last decade. And he's kind of monotone and you don't really get a lot out of him. And, you know, he's he's a really smart hockey IQ. And if you really want to get into the the X's and O's, he'll blow you away with his hockey knowledge, but you're not getting too many, you know, headline quotes from Sidney Crosby. And in you doing that's so, okay, though. it's, it's okay. Time, that's okay. It's okay. And, and guys are allowed to be that way. You don't have to be the, the media starlet that, you know, everyone wants you to be. But I think for the league to succeed and be able to compete, I mean, you look at some of the personalities in some of the bigger leagues and, I think that's one of the reasons that they do succeed is those guys are getting out there and they're, they're more well-known. And well, I, mean, then, I mean, you think people see those clips on, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, randomly showing up in like a commercial or something. You see clips of those guys having personality. All of a sudden, someone who's never watched the sport goes, who is that? They look mm -hmm. at, they look into it. They're like, Oh man, I kind of want to watch him play because he's kind of funny or, you know, he said something and yeah. I, it was interesting. And then that's how you get more people watching, not just, okay, we're talking about the sport, you're saying pucks on net, yep. you know, boys yep. have I'm, to... I'm all, 
I'm all for it. I mean, and we already, you guys already touched on this last week, so I won't, you know, go back into it again. But an example to me is it's obviously not necessarily in a fun nature, but he does have fun at times as well. But I mean, you know, you look at Robin Leonard. He's an active NHL player, and he has a ton of fun with people on social media. He'll be on a plane, and he's like, hey, I got a couple-hour plane to, you know, the next city we're playing in. Ask okay. me some questions. And and he'll have fun with the fans, and he'll answer questions. And if some troll tries to, you know, say something stupid, he will 100% call him out and be like, yeah, you're a jackass. I'm done talking to you. Like, That's he's not afraid of... Yeah, he's not afraid of the repercussions of the NHL being like, you can't talk to people like that. He does what he does. He has some fun. He doesn't go over the line. And obviously he is, you know, one of the proponents for bringing light, bringing light to some necessary things around the league. And I'm sure the league is like, okay, maybe you should, you know, stay off your phone a little bit. Maybe someone needs to take Robin Leonard's phone away. A hundred, but that's not a bad thing. It's it's starting conversations, and I guarantee there are probably people that have never watched a hockey game in their life that have heard of this Robin Leonard guy and how he's, like, calling out the league, and they're like, damn, this guy's got some balls, or, you know, whatever the appropriate terminology might be. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see personalities. I mean, and this is going to be, like, a weirder take on it, but, I mean, it's the same as when, you know, Philadelphia, when they introduced Gritty. I mean, how many people were talking about Gritty who had no idea what league he was even from? And then they're like, wait, NHL has mascots? Like He was he was on it, the Tonight Show. Like, yeah, it's just one of those, you know, like, it's growing the exposure of the game, whether or not yeah. be it in a serious matter or not. Yep. You know, it was drawing eyes, it was Fun. getting people to watch. People were like, what the hell is this giant orange fuzzy ball? Thing, thing that looks like it's out of a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you know what? Philly, you know, ha- had some laughs about it, still has some laughs about it, to be honest. Yep. But I mean, and people, I, I mean, they. I have no doubt they had some fans be like, what the hell is that thing from? Oh, it's from hockey? Oh, yep. let me watch this thing in a hockey game. Oh, well, there's a hockey game going on, too. Might as well, you know, pay attention yep. to that a little bit. And I'm no doubt that they gained some fans through that. Oh, yeah. When he recreated the Kim Kardashian picture, <laughs> like, That's... just things like that. Anyways, yeah, we've like gone on a cheeky, weird... it's but it's funny. It's super funny, yeah, and it's just... We've gone on a random tangent. I think we did a pretty good job of touching on the WHL teams that we cover, and I thought about trying to touch on Jess and Adam's team, but then and... I kind of just thought, like, you know, fuck that. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> we don't have to completely, but I mean, you know, the Americans have, have a couple guys that, you know, I've definitely got my eye on at the moment where i'm like you're yeah. gonna be dangerous in this in this division yeah, yeah. please dear lord just like someone <laughs> send someone my yeah. way who can handle these guys and, and not to like completely steer us back in that direction but i mean i'm going to anyway i'm sorry but guys like Dwayne dream jr that that kid's going to be a menace in this league and i don't know that i'm mentally prepared for uh tri-cities to have someone like that again yeah and then I'm going to butcher his name, and I'm so sorry, but Elowen Lemon Lemonier Lemonier. I don't know if it's French or not. No, it sounds French. The game that I watched, you know, they they got demolished by Spokane. Blah blah blah. Whatever. I was watching him most of the game. He looked fantastic out there. There's just a couple guys on that team where you know maybe right this second. I mean, they had a great start, so who knows? They might be able to pull it off, but. You know, right this second, it might not be their moment, but in a couple of years, that team is, it's on its way up. The Tri-State Americans are absolutely working their way back up the totem pole. Yep. And to touch on Adam's team a little bit here too, I mean, obviously watching them play the Royals in that home opener, it was a little bit sad. And I think it kind of was an eye opener for the Royals for sure, but just obviously, you know, Justin sort of name speaks for itself. Florida Panthers draft pick. He'll probably be able to crack their roster next year. I'd say he's just too good. I mean, two games played and he's got two goals, three assists. It seems fairly effortless for him out there. I mean, he's a pretty big body too. So he's able to maneuver through teams and he's got the hands to go past people like they're not even there. 
and you know his shot he's got the finish so it's going to be a a long year for teams trying to play against him the one and i mentioned his name i believe in this off season when we were talking before the one that still stands out for me is is Mazden Leslie he yeah. is a, he's a defenseman and so far two games played i'm not sure how vancouver only has two games played but two games played one goal three assists and Eight shots on net for a D-man in two games. Pretty solid. The game against the Royals, I was pretty far away from that end of the rink when Vancouver was shooting against the Royals. I saw someone attempt the Michigan from behind the net, and I thought for sure it would have been Fabian LaSalle, you know, first-round NHL draft pick. No, it was Mazden Leslie. The defenseman was behind the Royals' net and attempted a Michigan, and almost pulled it off. And for those that, you know, don't know what a Michigan is, it's kind of a term that is for putting the puck on your stick and using it like a lacrosse stick and basically just tucking the puck top corner. Takes a ton of skill to do it in a game at high speed. And for a D-man to attempt it, I don't think I've ever seen a defenseman try it. And, I mean, it was cheeky. I think they were up 4 nothing, and it was late. And I thought it was, you know, a bit of a dick move to try a, a Michigan when you're up 4 nothing late in the third. But, yeah, but why it not was try impressive. it then instead of when you're down 4 now? It was impressive nonetheless. And we just went on a rant about, you know, trying to showcase personality and stuff. You know, you can have a whole discussion about the code in hockey another day, but I will be keeping an eye on him. You know, obviously a rival team, but I can appreciate talent and guys that are just fun to watch. And for me, Madison Leslie is my standout from that Giants team. They're, they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to probably make a good run. And I'm going to hate talking to Adam every single time about it. And it's going to be terrible. Adam and Jess can go into better detail about their teams, but yeah, I think it was good to kind of showcase some of the guys anyways. Yeah, we're not going to do your guys' work for you, so come back and talk <laughs> about your own damn teams. I did. I did actually ask Jess if she could get if she could like do an interview with an AMS player for me because I was like, I just want you to interview this guy because I want to read it. It like, <laughs> has nothing to do with like, you know, anything official or like, I just, I want you to do it because of me. Yeah. Like, I don't care if anyone else wants to read it. I do. So, <laughs> you know, maybe yeah, we'll see well, that I mean, at some point. You're going to get a chance to come up and see some of the teams in person again pretty quick, aren't you? Yes. November, I believe it's 11th and 12th. I'm heading back up. Nice. Another quick turnaround. So, we'll And see. you're you're going to a couple of the Winterhawks games. Yes. I believe, they're, I believe they're both home games. I could be wrong. I didn't really... I just went with the back-to-backs that I was looking at. I wasn't really going with if yeah. they were home or away. Because at this point, we know I can drive there. So. For anyone that is uh, maybe a new listener, tuning in, go back and check out some of our old stuff. We would love it. We appreciate it. We are in awe just seeing some of the numbers, how people are going back and listening to older episodes. We know it's a little rough at the very beginning, but there's some really good interviews we've done throughout the last few months and yeah we appreciate all the support that you guys can give us so you know with liz is up in the portland area going to games or you know jess happens to be you know going to watch games adam going to the giants games me at the royals if you see us live tweeting and you happen to be at the games like I don't know about you, Jess, or you, Liz, sorry. Reach out, you know, there's no harm in us, you know, meeting up with fans. We'd love to hear or see who it is that's listening to us, because I'm pretty sure the majority of our listens are coming from the Area 51 network, guys, so I would love to hear someone that is not affiliated with them. (laughs) Please let us know that you're listening. Yeah, that appreciates (laughs) what we do. So, yeah, it's awesome. Thank you very much. Actually, Sonny, if you're listening to this, shout out you, because, like, you've I don't know. It's just really exciting to hear that, you know, we we had an episode that you, you know, remembered, even if you didn't remember it was us. And then all of a sudden you found it again the other day. So shout out. That's awesome. Shout out you, Sonny. That's awesome. Yeah, I've tried to say it on Twitter and say like, hey, who's listening to us? Can someone reach out and just say hi? I've listened. I there are this. other people like we can see the numbers. It cannot just be Area 51, guys. We're not that big. It, on, it, like, yeah, it can't just be those guys. But, so. You know what? This will be a test. We have no idea who it is. 
Yeah, in this episode, you know, we're going off about this right now. So if you have listened to this episode, maybe reply to the tweet about it and just say, yeah, listened. No, it would just we, be we nice like to know. Word. If you've listened this far Ooh. into the episode Ooh. and you and you're on our Twitter, reply to this post with Liz and Chris are the best. Yeah. And then just, you know, no one else has to know why you said it. But if you've made it this far, go comment on the link to this post. With Liz and exactly, Chris exactly. And just because I know that the Giants are going to probably crush the Royals a bunch this year, and I don't want to listen to Adam, <laughs> just, you know, reply Adam sucks. I'm all over it. Yeah, yeah. you know, we'll live with that too. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and he will be so confused until he listens to the episode. But anywho, for Jess, who is not here, I really hope her headache is feeling better. For Adam, you suck, but you're part of the team. And your team sucks. But we love you, but we also... Love, we love you, but your team sucks. And for Liz and for myself, I am all over the map. We I will catch it. you guys... Yeah, we will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening. This week's episode of the Third Line Podcast is brought to you by the Area 51 Sports Network and all of their amazing sponsors. Make sure to head over to area51sportsnetwork.com slash sponsors to check them out whether it be bench clearers high stick vodka bet99.com or habson you can get exclusive deals on all of these fantastic products through the website support them because they support us and hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode of the third line podcast